It is appointed for all men once to die, and then comes the judgment. Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Good morning and welcome. How good it is to worship together, isn't it? After uh, challenging weeks we have to come together and be balanced and focused, that's exactly what we need. I trust you're encouraged today by our music together, by remembering Christ, and by the Word of God as well. A merchant who lived in Baghdad sent his servant uh, into the marketplace to buy some goods. It wasn't long before the servant rushed back in, out of breath, white as a sheet, and said, uh, Master, may I have your horse to get away? I went into the marketplace. I was jostled by someone. I turned to see who jostled me, and it was death itself who gave me a, a threatening gesture. And I ran back here. Please, may I have your horse? I want to run away to the city of Samara and stay there fleeing this, this threatening person of death. And so the, the merchant said, certainly you may go. And the, the servant jumped on the horse, galloped away as, quack, as quickly as he could to get to the city of Samara. Later, the merchant went into town. He, too, went to the marketplace, and there he saw death, and he approached death. And he said, why is it that you made a threatening gesture toward my servant earlier today? And death responded, well, that wasn't a threatening gesture. I was just startled to see him here because I have an appointment with him tonight in Samara. (laughs) The Bible says it is appointed for all men once to die And then comes the judgment. One day, soon, all of us will be in another world. And the good news is that God has made a way for us by which we can be prepared for the day to come. These original recipients of of, of this revelation that God gave to John and through him to the the churches of Revelation, those seven churches in Asia Minor, our present-day Turkey, have come to us, and they're in grave need of encouragement. They are suffering severe persecution, and this revelation is given to them that they may find what they need to be strong and faithful to the very end. Our two-verse text serves as a bit of a bridge between what what precedes it and what follows it. Immediately preceding this text are three angels that deliver a message to those who dwell on the earth. They announce the impending judgment and the need to repent now before it's too late. Immediately after our text comes this this judgment that is to follow in the form of of two things. One, Jesus is pictured gathering grain that represents the righteous people who have made their lives ready. And then the destruction of those by picturing it as grapes that are thrown into the, the wine press and then trampled on under God's judgment. And so between these two parts come these words of the Lord. This He writes, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit, 
They will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Are you a good news person or a bad news person? And there are some people who like the bad news first, and then the good news looks really good. There's some people like the good news first uh, because it serves as a foundation for whatever the bad news is. I can, I can waffle between both. Uh, this is a mix. This, we have a mixture of words here because we have the word blessed, and we also have the word die, which typically don't go together. We don't think of blessedness and death. Now, now Luke last week took that long introduction to talk about blessed, if you remember. That blessedness is is happiness, but it's greater than happiness. It is about fulfillment or being complete or whole, satisfied, that, that everything, it, everything is moving together. There is a, there's a satisfaction life of completeness in life. So we value that in Christ, there is a blessedness. And we're looking in this series at seven blesseds that come in the book of Revelation. We're blessed. The bad news is that we're going to die. They usually aren't found next to one another. We don't sing happy death day to you, happy death. It's just kind of weird and insensitive, right? But in this text, we have these three words that seem to rise up and capture our attention that really are a part or they they describe the whole discipleship process of following Jesus. The word endurance, the word die, and the word rest. So we'll use those as promptings for our souls, our spirits, our minds today. The first word, endurance. And this is where blessing begins. A call to endure is not a popular message. We want immediate results. We don't like to hear about endurance. I was with some of my family at Disney last week, and we were getting ready for flight of passage. Now, if you've been on flight of passage, you know What's coming? I mean, I hadn't been on it before, and it, it, you, you're, you're pretty stationary, but it's one of those where it's, it's just the screen's everywhere, and I have always been prone to motion sickness. But when you have a six-year-old and nine-year-old grandkid with you, you do not want to look weak. And so we're in line, and it dawned on me that I hadn't taken my Dramamine. And so I got in my backpack, and I put it in there, and said, work, work, just do work, do work, do work, so I don't throw up in front of my grandkids, you know. And so it did its work. My problem is I want to do life that way. I want a pill to pop. I want something to do to get me through. I, I, I am an impatient person. I get frustrated if I run to the store for two items and the receipt pops out too late or doesn't, doesn't pop up fast enough or if I go to the ATM and I don't get my cash fast enough and I transfer that to my spiritual walk as well. I want God to act faster. I want to be more serious about this. I want him to get involved. I want him to do something about my frustration or, or wherever I am. And so this, this message of endurance is not a popular one. We don't like to think about this whole journey being like a marathon that we're running. Preaching sermons on endurance is not a good way to draw a crowd. Luke and I would be far better off preaching three steps to a healthy marriage or five steps to overcoming your anger. But you have found, if you've been with the Lord any long time at all, you know that that becoming a mature disciple doesn't happen that way, does it? 
It happens through long periods of testing, usually. Times of struggle, times of hardship, times of wrestling, times of prayer, times of of fasting and and wondering what what is happening. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 reminds us that we're to work work out our salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, it's it's a journey. It's It's a long discipleship in the same direction toward being with him forever. This word endurance is to bear up under pressure. It's to be tenacious. It's to be persevering. And whatever we're dealing with, what we're going for, being steadfast, this is the truth. Jesus promised us a better life, not an easier life. And so often that's what we expect. If I'm following Jesus, it ought to be easier. Who said that? Nobody said. God never told us that it's going to be an easier life if we followed him. We can't. When John's writing, he's writing to these people that are on the edge of losing their grip. They're wondering if this is worth it. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you're right there today as well. But we, stu- we do endure. We do stay within the, with the course. We forgive people, even when we don't feel like it. We love others, especially the unlovely and the unlovable, and the ones we aren't prone to love naturally. We guard our speech, even when everybody else's is filthy. We keep investing in marriage, even if our spouse doesn't seem to be. Uh, we keep tithing, even when finances are tight. We keep going. When others give up, we endure. John also connects endurance with keeping our faith, our eyes on Jesus. We've been reminded of that already this morning through music and through Kyle's words. We keep our eyes on Jesus. The world may mock us and scoff at us, yet we still believe. The world may tell us to sit down and shut up, but we still believe. Late night comedy shows will still mock our faith, yet we will believe. The workplace rules and government regulations may pressure us into keeping our faith in the shadows because we cannot help but speak about the one we've met and seen and heard from. Secular university professors may scoff at Christ and Christians, but we do not waver. We do not change. We do not capitulate. We do not compromise. We endure. That's what followers of Jesus do. John's readers were facing life threatening times, economic hardships because they were followers of Christ and they refused to say, Caesar is Lord. Now, Rome didn't mind them saying, Christ is Lord, as long as they would also say, Caesar is Lord. But they couldn't do it. So some were facing death. For us, It doesn't mean prison time, at least yet. Maybe a time will come. It does for some people in the world today. But some of those were facing death. We face the mockery of people on Facebook or being the bar of some comments at work or the the grinding away in the face of very challenging circumstances. For John's readers, this often meant life and death. Pliny was a Roman governor of Bithynia. Bithynia is the region just adjacent to the location of the seven churches to which Revelation was first written, and that what we know as Turkey today. And Pliny wrote a letter to the Emperor Trajan about dealing with these Christians, as they were called. And this was, short, this was a letter written shortly after the book of Revelation was written. And Pliny writes, in the meantime... 
I have handled those who have been denounced to me as Christians as follows. I asked them whether they were Christians. Those who responded affirmatively, I have asked a second and third time under threat of the death penalty. If they persisted in their confession, I had them executed. Maybe it gives us a perspective on endurance today. It doesn't belittle what you deal with and what you face in your testimony of Christ in your world. It doesn't belittle that at all. But, but we have to learn to pray this prayer together. Lord, instead of looking for a way out, help me look for a way through. Here it is on the screen. Would you pray with me? Lord, instead of looking for a way out, help me look for a way through. That's what the prayer of endurance is like. That's how it sounds. Sir Edmund Hillary tried to conquer Everest, and he couldn't do it. And when he was speaking, he turned to a huge mural of that mountain, and he said, I will come again and conquer you, because as a mountain, you can't grow, but I can. This world is passing away and all its troubles. But praise God, we can endure to the very end. The second word is die or death. This brings us to the second step of this blessedness we enjoy. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. No matter the manner, no matter how tragic or premature, We are blessed when we die in the Lord. Now, one of the features of the book of Revelation is its dualism. It always sets one thing up against another, like uh, good and evil, God and Satan. We either hot or cold. There are those who worship the lamb and those who worship the beast. We've been sealed with the name of the lamb and the father, or we've received the mark of the beast. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, or it isn't. Uh, There are those who are allowed to enter the new Jerusalem and those who aren't. Uh, There are no third options, in other words. The gospel doesn't present any third. There's There's not letter C to pick from. There are two, to die in the Lord or to die in sins. When it comes to death, Here's how dualism works. That's what it is. We die in the Lord or we die in sin. Either death comes as a final blessing to enjoy, by which we enjoy passage to the life to come, or it comes as judgment. John is writing this. The Lord is writing to John and giving this prophecy so that these early believers will know it's worth it. No matter what your challenges are, no matter how how enticing the sin is, no matter how difficult it is to stay the course, it will be worth it. And that's one of the reasons we come together, friends. It's not just because church is a good thing to do. It's not just because you want to be a a better person or you want to be a more moral person. We don't come to church because we were raised that way and it's just a good Midwestern ideal to do. That's not why we're here. We're here because it is difficult to endure to the very end. And God knew that. And so Jesus gave us the church by which we could travel together until Christ takes us home. That's good news. You know, in the early to mid-1800s, 
there was a spiritual revival taking place on the American frontier. And it was taking hold. And there was a Scottish preacher by the name of Alexander Campbell who was among many who became very notable preachers and instrumental. Uh, Campbell and others wanted to establish the church based on simple New Testament Christianity without human creeds, without denominational titles, without uh, division. We're just going to be Christians only. I'm not saying we're the only Christians. We just want to be Christians only. And so that eventually became known as the Restoration Movement, of which our church is a part. And so while that revival was happening in the early 1800s, that's when our church was established, a part of that spiritual revival in 1829 when our church began. But, but Alexander Campbell was known to be a great debater. And on the frontier, people loved debates. They came to them in hordes to listen. And one of the people that, one of the most popular that Alexander Campbell had of the debates was with a man named Robert Owen, who was a well-known atheist of the day. And to prepare for their debate, they met together on Alexander Campbell's farm. And they were walking around the farm, and they came to the Campbell Cemetery. And Robert Owen says, says to, said to Campbell, he said, you know, uh, we atheists have it, have it over on you Christians because we don't fear death. And Campbell said, okay, but do you have any hope in death? And Robert Owen, there was a long pause. He just said, no. And friends, that's the difference. I've, I've talked to people before who are unbelievers who say, well, I don't fear dying. Okay. But do you have any hope in death? Is there anything beyond the grave? Anything worth preparing for? You see, it's one thing to die. It's another thing to die with certain hope. And John reminds us that there's a blessedness when we die in such hope. Now, chapter 14 that we're in uh, begins uh, talking about the 144,000. There's a vision. Now, 144,000 is a cryptic number. And, of course, Revelation is filled with cryptic numbers. We don't have time to look at all those, and that's not the purpose for this message today. Uh, but um, this, this number, when... 144,000, sadly, has been used in a, in a uh, contrived way, in a manipulative way. Even cults have been built and established around it. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's very reasonable when you understand the logic of it, because 12 is a, is, a, is a number used not only in Revelation, but throughout the whole Scripture. 12 is a number that represents the people of God. The 12, we have the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples. Old Testament Israel is pictured as a woman with a crown on her head, and that crown has 12 stars. Uh, the New Jerusalem is described as having 12 gates with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, and it's built on a foundation, 12 foundation stones on which are written the names of the 12 disciples, of the, the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, uh, so we have the people of God represented by the number of 12, all of the Old Testament faithful people and all the New Testament. It's all the people of God. So you have 12 times 12 is 144. The number 10 and its multiples represent time. And so uh, to the letter the, the church of Mer, uh, Smyrna at the beginning of Revelation, 
Jesus says that you're going to suffer for about 10 days, meaning for a short amount of time. Peter the Apostle, when he writes about about the Lord and his work and his timing and his coming back, he says, to the Lord, a thousand years is like a day and a day like a thousand years. In other words, it can't be measured. There is a timelessness with God. So you take 12 by 12 by 1,000, you have 144,000. So it's all the people of God dwelling in a timeless place, wherever that is, wherever God is, for all eternity. And we have this We have 144,000, first mentioned in chapter 7. It appears then in chapter 13, and here again in chapter 14. And here he writes, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. The number at that time is still 144,000. It's not 143,999. All God's people were still with him to the very end. Jesus said in John 12, 28, I give them eternal life that they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. John is saying, do the math. Those God saves, he is able to keep until the great day of the Lord. Now, can you walk away from him? Sure you can. There's some who believe you can't, I've known too many people who've walked away from the Lord in my lifetime. The Bible says those who turn their backs on the Lord who were once saved are like people going back to, like like, uh, pigs going back to wallow in the mud and like dogs returning to its vomit. So there are people who partake of the divine nature for a time and they decide, I don't think I want to live this life to the very end. I want to do my own thing my own way. The Apostle Paul writes the letters, why? That we will be found faithful. He writes the letters that will stay true to the very end. That's why Revelation's being written. He doesn't want any of these to lose their grip on their faith and their stability in Jesus Christ. He, He writes them not only to warn them, but also to encourage them to lift them up, to know it's going to be worth it. When you come to the very end, the apostle Paul put it this way. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, demons, neither things present nor the future nor powers, height, depth, nor anything else in God's creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Stay faithful, endure, run the race. Don't lose your grip. The third word then is rest. Once we, have, once we have known endurance and we've experienced death, we get this rest. Death of the Christian is never in vain. Do you understand that today? The death of the Christian is never in vain. No matter what was lost here, no matter how hard the loss for, is for us, uh, still on this side, when we get to the other side, nothing will be forgotten that was built firmly for the glory of Jesus Christ and lived for him. That's why blessed are those who die in the Lord. It's always a cause for rejoicing with a believer who has closed their eyes in death and we get to celebrate at their funerals in the midst of our tears and our separation. Praise God, they're finally home at rest. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. And it is laborious at times. 
our service to the Lord, and just running the race. And we find it difficult. We can't even relate to rest hardly, can we? Did anybody here really get enough sleep last night? Probably not. It was interrupted. It wasn't long enough. There never seems to be enough time. We are obsessed with being productive. My wife is the queen of productivity. If, if we're ready to leave and we have five minutes before we go out the door, oh, what can I do in five minutes? I'll say, how about sitting down? Oh, I can get something done. It's all about productivity. Every minute counts. We can't stop talking about time. Do you know the, um, the Oxford, one of the versions of the Oxford Dictionary, the, the, the uh, concise Oxford Dictionary says the most often spoke, off-spoken word in the English language is time. Time. And the titles of self-help books verify that. These are real titles. Don't dare buy one. One year to a college degree. 30 days to a better life. Seven days to a brand new me. 60-minute marriage builder. Try that. How about one-minute father? 60-second stress management, the one-minute healing experience, one-minute therapist, or 60 seconds to serenity. Don't you dare buy them. Restful timelessness. Can you imagine? For those who die in the Lord, not for those who die in their sins, verse 11 says, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they will not rest day or night. Heaven will be rest from our labors. It will be rest after a long run. In addition to the promise of rest is the assurance that our deeds follow us, that the Lord takes note of what we've done in his name for his glory. It'll pass through the fire. It'll be refined as gold. None of it will have been done in vain. Our deeds accompany us there, persevering in our faith on earth. It is wearisome. It is tiresome at times. We are bone tired sometimes, but it will be worth it all when we have served the Lord well and what rest it will be. Imagine a life without deadlines, no paying bills, no shock or dismay when you realize you missed a date and they're going to add interest on your credit card. You know, imagine, imagine like going on vacation the first night you're away and you don't have to set your alarm. You can sleep as long as you want. You don't have to check your calendar. You don't check email. You don't check your text. Don't do that. It's perfect, pure rest forever and ever. What rest it will be can rest for all eternity. Two ways. Die in the Lord or die in sins. That's the way out, one or the other. You know, astronauts, when they uh, make lunar orbits or land, uh, they can take something with them. So one astronaut took the Constitution, one astronaut took um, a Declaration of Independence, one took a bottle of brandy, one took a golf club. When we leave this orbit and we go to wherever God is, where we'll be forever and where, where Christ is and our Lord is, there are three things we take with us. Our soul, our works that have been purely motivated for the glory of God, and other people. That's it. 
And that's why we hold loosely to what we have. Friends, don't give up. Don't flag at the last lap. Stay faithful to the very end. And every day of your life, if you have to, remind yourself, blessed are those who die in the Lord. And be among that number. For the rest of you here or online, you've heard the gospel announced, Christ Jesus died for our sins. And so repent and believe the good news. Be baptized into Christ and be resurrected to a new life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we speak of mysteries today, and yet we believe, oh, we do believe, but help us in our unbelief. The things we still find in our lives that are weak and lame, the things that still weigh us down, and free us so that we may run race so well marked out for us. May God be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.